Good morning, church. Some of my favorite peeps in the whole world are sitting out there. We're glad y'all are here. I see new faces. So make sure us old faces get around to the new ones and say hi. You can even uh, long distance wave or whatever. We're glad to have y'all. And um, today, I just want to encourage you, if you have anything to say to us, you may use one of these yellow cards on the back of the pew to connect with us in any way. If you'd like to receive our email uh, weekly, my husband sends out, and that's the way you get prayer requests and get yours put on as well. So you may fill that out. If you have any questions that you want to talk to anyone about, please put that information on there because we are here for you. Uh, we're not Jesus. We're not there 24-7, but we will get back to you, okay? <laughs> and then uh, the second thing is um, this Friday night is our youth night, our third. It's our third one, right, Rory? Yeah. Our third one. So we're excited. And um, if you have any questions, please see Floyd and Chris is sitting right there. Floyd and Chris, raise your hands. And then Cece. Is Cece here? Oh, there she is. Oh, she looks beautiful in her hat. She's got a hat on today. Um, so if you have any questions, please see any of them. They need moolah to help fund these teens. You know how teens eat. So they need that. They might need, um, I don't know. They'll tell you what they need. So we can help fill that bill if you, if, uh, you go to them and ask them. And not, last but not least, part of our worship is giving. And um, wow, I don't know about y'all, but it is a privilege to give to a God who gave us a great salvation. And um, I don't know about y'all, but I know I'm not deserving of it at all. And it has nothing to do with me. And that's the beauty of our God because it is all about him and what he wants to do. So if you feel led to give anything, um, of course, if you're a Christian uh, member, we love to tithe here because that's what God asks us to do. It's how we fund our lights and things. And then we, out of the excess of that, we give to our community. There's been many things this last few months that we've been able to uh, give and love on them. So that's where that goes. It doesn't go to the pastor's pocket. I promise. <laughs> God blesses us in other ways. I just want to read a verse because this morning um, I read this and it's amazing. And then we're going to start our worship. So if you'd like to stand right now and even just close your eyes as I read this, this is, I know I have a woman's voice, but this is God talking. This is out of Isaiah. And he says, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with any carved idols. Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing his praises from the ends of the earth. Sing all you who sail the seas, all who live in distant coastlands. Today we are in Somas, California. And we're going to praise our God, who is greatly to be praised. Yes. Yes. Thank you, God.
Trembles at his voice 
What love my God would bring you down to earth That you would take a low and lonely bird Yet to this dark and broken place you came To sleep beneath the stars that you
And Father, there was some lyrics here that literally came out of your word. We just, even some of the things that, the thought that we just read out of your scripture in Isaiah. You are great. No other is bigger, stronger, holier than you. You made such a gorgeous story of life coming out of death, life coming out of sin. Wow, God, thank you so much that you would give us the opportunity to hear, not only hear, but you would let the Holy Spirit prick our heart to come to a place where we knew we had to do something or it wasn't going to go well. Thank you for opening our eyes, our hearts, to tune in to yourself. God, we know that everybody living on this planet, has ever lived or will live, has a little piece of their heart that is seeking, searching, and you are that piece that fills it. Thank you that even last week, as we heard about Rahab, that she heard, she believed. Father, this week we got to talk to people that need you. And so, Father, thank you today that as the word goes out, it's going to penetrate every heart that's listening. And we ask for it to be truth. And that truth would just land on soil that is so fertile that the seed would drop in and would grow and their life would be changed for eternity. Thank you for our pastor and just give him wisdom and unction from on high, Lord, to deliver your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see you today. Robin, good to see you. Great to see Ed back among us as well. Yeah, it's hard to keep a good submarine guy down, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. On Wednesday night, we are doing uh, some special Bible studies. Uh, last Wednesday night, we talked about um, how to be a witness, and, and truly God has given us the power for everybody to be a witness. We have what it takes God has given us what it takes to bring people to Jesus Christ, to be the one who um, points them to Jesus. 
And this Wednesday night, we will go into a little bit more detail from the scripture um, that uh, you can use that will help you um, to be a, a witness. And ultimately, this is God's work. We know that. We understand that. But he wants to use us to bring our friends and family to the Lord. So if you'd like to join us Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, um, we have some Bible studies throughout the week. If you're interested, uh, let us know, and we'll plug you in. We've got one tomorrow morning at uh, 10.30. We have a men uh, uh, Bible f- uh, fellowship that we sit around and, and talk about the scriptures. We usually talk about the message, and uh, so usually it's something that is on somebody's heart, and we bring that out, how God has spoken to us. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to welcome also those that are live with us uh, through Facebook. Welcome. Um, I got to meet a, a lady named Denise yesterday that watches us. So hi, Denise. A special hi to you and for all those that, that watches us online. And um, we're glad that uh, these uh, people, uh, that we have people here in person, but as well online. And I pray that you'll be blessed by both ways. So in Joshua chapter 2, and Joshua is the sixth book in the Bible, so if you go from Genesis and you turn over to, uh, to the sixth book, you'll come to Joshua. We want to go to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2, very special story today that God gives us in the Word, and he has a very special uh, reason for us to talk about this precious lady that we find in Joshua 2. Have you ever thought that there was no way God would ever want to love me because dot, 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 I've done this, I've been this, this has happened to me? Ever thought that maybe you've had the thought, well, God doesn't really want me in his family? Or maybe even you come to church and say, well, I just really don't fit in the church those Christians are a little bit different. What well, maybe what I'm used to or belong in a church. I was raised one way, and it seems like everybody else as a Christian was raised another way. Ever thought that the person that we work next to, that they're so hard-hearted and dark with the sinful lifestyle that we would never that they would never want to hear how much God loves them. I remember working in a construction crew, and one of the most difficult, you know, yeah, he did things that were so ungodly that of all the guys in that group, and I was trying to be a witness, I said, Chuck will never, never want to have anything to do with God. I guess who was interested in the things of God of all the people? And he came through the, the services, and, uh, and his wife, Maria, and uh, we had uh, a, a, quite a witness in that family. Joshua chapter 2 is for you if you've ever felt out of place with God. If you've never felt loved by God or think that God could never love you, Joshua Chapter 2 is for you. It's a story of, of how a fallen woman who was far from God, she experienced God's love and forgiveness. So let's understand what's happening in the context before we read chapter 2. We went back to chapter 1 last week. And so we have to understand that Joshua 
as is coming on a scene. Now remember, 40 years prior to Joshua, God told Moses to lead my people, God is telling his people, to a land that I have promised. And he gave this promise to Abraham and his descendants. Moses leads the children of God out of Egypt, and through that process, right from the get-go, they disobey God. And he responds to this, because of your hard hearts, you will wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation dies off, and I will raise up a new generation and bring them into the promised land. So 40 years have passed, and we come to Joshua. At the end of Deuteronomy, Moses dies, and we open the book of Joshua with God telling Joshua, you are my replacement for Moses. Joshua, you get to lead my people into the promised land, and he says, in three days, you're getting ready to cross the Jordan River into the promised land. He tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. As going forth with God's plan, it's not going to be an easy thing. Being a believer, becoming a Christian, it's not like to say the same bed of roses. You know, there are thorns with those roses. There are battles and there are blessings. We said this last week as we follow God. But by faith in God, he will give us the victory. So as we look at this, and it's a time frame, and keep this in mind, that from Joshua chapter 1 and Joshua chapter 6, they're about, or, or chapter 5, they're about three days that the, all these things are happening uh, in this passage. Uh, and so this is the start, and, he, and he's setting things up as, as they get getting ready to go into the promised land. So Israel in Joshua chapter 2 is on the verge of crossing over into the promised land as God had told them. They had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, longing and looking forward to this. No doubt their parents told them what happened and said, you know, we're not going to be able because of our disobedience, but you get my son, you get to go, my daughter, grandchild, you get to go into this promised land. So this is a big thing for them. They're ready to cross the Jordan River to possess the land that God had promised them so many years ago, not only 40 years, but all the way back to descendants, about five de descendants to uh, Abraham. So let's start in chapter 2, verse 1. If you have the, your Bible there, you'd like to read along or listen. And so Joshua, the son of Nun. I think that's just an interesting uh, phrase. You, you know, hey, I'm Joshua. I'm a son of Nun. <laughs> Nun? Nuns can't have children. Or Nun, you know, n nobody's your parent? Well... But it really was, was a person. So Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. And was told of King Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho, Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed to dark, the men went out, and I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. She had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that he, she had laid in order on the roof. 
So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Now let's stop take a moment. So you see what happened here. Joshua chooses two spies to send out ahead to review the land for plans to like rent a uh, uh, a review and uh, and to to look at the land to find out what's going on up ahead. As we think about this story, it sounds familiar because 40 years earlier, that's what Moses did in Numbers chapter 13, that Moses sent 12 spies, not two, but 12, one from each tribe of the, of the uh, tribes of Israel into the land. And at that time, it didn't go very well. You remember the story. Ten came back with a negative report, and two came back with a positive report. And those two spies, the name was Joshua. Oh, that's the book that we're in. And the other one was Caleb. So Joshua and Caleb came back, says, yes, God has promised it. Yes, we can do this by faith and our trust in God. We can go forward. And it is just like he said it would be. Well, tradition tells us that when Joshua sent out the two spies, that he once again chose Caleb. Now, as I was thinking in Joshua's shoes, and I was thinking, okay, if you want to have a good report, that didn't go well. We do not want to repeat the mistakes of the past. So let's pick a couple guys to go ahead. Caleb. Oh, Caleb's got a strong faith. We know his record. He know he, and he has always believed that we could conquer the land with God's help. And then it is by Trish... Uh, tradition, the high priest Eliezer was uh, chosen as well. Uh, so we're not certain because it's not named in the scripture, but that's Jewish tra- tradition. But he definitely wanted men that had a faith in God, that there was nothing impossible that God couldn't do. And so to be strong and courageous, he sent out to these two spies. And the first thing they do, they come to the house of a harlot. Now, as we think of the story, we must not go to a dark place and think that there is immorality because there's no hint of immorality in these two men. I believe they were very godly men, that they believed and trusted and followed God. They were obedient to his word, and they were, the character was the character of God that was working in them and through them. So there's no hint of immorality with this choice. But simply, it was common in that culture that that was a a, a common place for travelers and strangers to come because many times it was just, they were innkeepers, but also they had this business as well that was immoral. And they came to the house of of the prostitute. They stayed the night You remember that Joshua in the scripture is the same Hebrew name for the Greek word for Jesus. If we were to take, if we knew Greek and we were to take the Old Testament and read the the Old Testament in Greek, we would read Joshua as the book of Jesus. Now this is significant because as we go through the Old Testament, it is not 
It is not disconnected from the New Testament. It's not disconnected from God's plan. These aren't little stories that stand by themselves. They are all connected together because God is revealing himself. He's revealing Jesus Christ. He's revealing his plan of salvation to redeem the world. And so we see this, that Joshua is a book about deliverance of leading people into peace and to rest and enjoy the blessings of God. And it is by faith that they enter into this rest and peace. And those who have received and are ready to embrace Jesus Christ were sinners who knew that they were sinners, and they accepted Jesus. They accepted God. It's said of the second century, some of the theologians and commentaries says, said this, um, as the first Joshua sent his spies before him, they were received into a harlot's house. And the second Joshua, Jesus, the second Joshua sent his forerunners, whom the publicans and harlots gladly received as well. Jesus was a friend of sinners. He ate with sinners. He was around sinners. They loved him. They embraced him. They, they received him. Some of the greatest testimonies of those coming to Jesus were great sinners. From the adulterous woman, from, from the, the, the man possessed uh, with several demons there in the tomb. Now listen, of all the people who lived in Jericho, we know only the name of one lady. And she's a harlot. Her name is Rahab. God places her in the scripture to give us a picture of the spiritual history of the believer in Jesus Christ. In other words, God uses the most unlikely candidate in the city of Jericho to become a follower of God, a child of God, the one whom we may think is the furthest from God to be an example of God's mercy and grace. He chooses Rahab. Paul, who is a great sinner, he said he identified himself before he became a believer, a follower of God and an apostle. Planted many churches, wrote most of the New Testament, says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 5, but people are counted as righteous not because of their work or performance, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. There are three times, and I put that in the bottom of your notes, where Rahab is mentioned in the New Testament. One of them is found in Hebrew chapter 11 and 31. It says, and it says, and this is important to understand because this is an important uh, phrase for Joshua. By faith, the harlot rabbit, uh, Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. By faith, everyone else in the city, we'll find out, died, but except for Rahab and her family, and what is done by faith. We find the next few verses of Rahab's confession of faith. Here in Joshua, and we may be appalled, we may be even disgusted and uncomfortable 
at the fact that Rahab was a prostitute or that she was a liar. But the fact is that she was not saved by her works or her profession, but by her faith in God saved her. She knew who God was. She knew who she was. And she trusted God for her very life, eternal life. Let's read as the responses to the men, these men of God who came among her, and I believe they acted godly. In verse 8, it says, Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, if you like to write in your Bible, you underline, this is a good phrase because it identifies what Rahab believed. She said, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us. I believe. I believe that the Lord, she had more faith and more belief than those 10 spies in Numbers chapter 13, Moses sent out. She said, I know that the Lord has given you the land. How did she know? Here she is. She is not an Israelite. She is in Jericho in a pagan, immoral city and an immoral profession. But she knew that the Lord had given, has given you the land. And that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Shion and Og, whom you were devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, now let me stop here. As soon as we heard it, the city heard it, she heard it. And I have to, a, a suspicion, this is just my own thoughts. Because she was at the edge of the city, she was a place where, where a, a many travelers would come and, and stay in her lodging, and that she was connected with through, through that business. I have a, a, a connection that, that they would report. I mean, she heard stories all the way 40 years ago. She kept hearing stories of this group, these, these people, the Israelites, who called the God, the Jehovah God, the one true God. She had heard the stories, how God had brought them out of Egypt. For 40 years, people would come and, and share these things. And she knew some history about God, the children of Israel. And she said in verse 11, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. Notice again, she says, for the Lord, your God, he is God in the heavens above and the earth beneath. It's a powerful statement. It's saying that your God is higher than all the other beings, all the other powers. Your God is heaven. And then it is beneath there is no God like your God. And now then, please swear to me by the Lord. She said this by the Lord. Somewhere if this is the turning point in her heart that she has started to make God her Lord, maybe even at the thoughts before this at time that God had spoken to the Spirit of God came and spoke to her. But, uh, but she says, by the Lord, 
that I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with me and my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours even to death. If you do not tell the business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. So we see that Rahab's faith in God saved her. It saved her. Not only her, but her whole family and their family. Let's read about the means which God uses to save her. Verse 15, then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills or the pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. And afterward, you may go your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made, uh, that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet, which means red, this red cord in the window and through which you will let us down and you shall gather into your house and the window through which you let us down, you shall, excuse me, uh, you shall gather in your house, your father, your mother, your brothers and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head and we shall be guiltless. If a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on your head, on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And, you sh- and she said, according to your word, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet or the red cord in the window. Kind of a familiar so- story about the Passover. You remember when God told uh, the Moses, you know, children of Israel, you know, get that lamb and put that blood upon the doorpost. And when the death angel come over, I will spare, I will save everyone that is in that house that is covered with that blood, which is a symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. The first century commentators, Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, they all saw this scarlet red as a symbol of the blood of Jesus, and we should as well. It's a reference to the blood of Jesus. Throughout the Old Testament, the, 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 there is a picture, there's a type of the salvation to come there on the cross, and such is the case here in this story. Jesus Christ came and shed his blood on the cross 2,000 years ago, From this day, from today, 2,000 years ago, outside the walls of Jerusalem to provide forgiveness and eternal covering for our sins. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. He has with his blood a thread that runs from Pilate's court where he was beaten to the cross and all the way up into heaven where the blood of Jesus Christ was placed upon the mercy seat of God. We have a red cord that is bright and brilliant and precious to us. By faith, we are saved by the precious blood, the cord of Jesus Christ. We finish up this chapter 2. They departed, went into the hills, and remained there three days until the pursuers returned, and the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. 
Then the two men returned, and they came down from the hill and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our, land, into our hands, and also the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. So this reconnaissance mission didn't help necessarily with the military strategy, but it did help encourage the people to go forward. And here's something, my friend, as a believer, as you follow God, God will continue to feed you uh, points of encouragement that you may continue for. He truly wants us to be a success in following his will. Obedience. If God asks you to do something, he's going to encourage you to go forward with whatever that he asks you to do. And there was another purpose, though. The purpose at work in sending the spies. No. To save Rahab. We see the extent God goes into bringing one woman and her father's house to salvation. Someone we may look at and say seemingly impossible to save. Why would you want to save her, God? You know, as I think about these songs and we say, holy, 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 and, and when I think those songs, they're convicting to me because I'm not holy. My actions, my past, the things that I think, the, those things that I've done, it, I'm not holy, but against a holy God. But you see, we're not saved by our holiness. We're saved by His holiness. It's by faith. And trust in not us, but in him who loves us and is a wonderful thing. Because if that wasn't true, none of us would be here today. None of us would have hope of eternal life. I've been wanting to share this story. I've just been waiting for God to tell me when to share it. And today's the day. Oh, about four or five weeks ago, a friend of mine, his name's Mark Hammond, called me. And he said, Gary, uh, <clears throat> and Mark is a, is a pastor in Georgia. We ordained him about 25 years ago or something like that in a church. He was in our church, and, and uh, we ordained him. And, but during that, before he became an, adored, an ordained uh, pastor, is, we were going through times with them and, and encouraged them and and one of the times, I, were, I don't remember, but he said, I wanted to call and just tell you something. I had talked to Mark for many years. He said, you remember, Gary? He said, you know, when we, we were there and, and, and we were praying one day, and I was, we were praying for my dad, my dad to be saved. And I remember how that, that after we prayed for him, you know, you said that, Mark, because I was I was talking about my dad, and he had a lifestyle that was contrary to the Bible. And, and uh, he said, you said that God is the God of impossible uh, situations. Just to keep praying for him. You never know what God will do. That was like 25 years ago. He said, uh, said uh, the other day, uh, 
my dad called me and, and, and he said, I got to tell you the, kind of the backstory of these 25 years. Every time I talk about God, him and his partner, they would, both of them, talk about God, but they would always argue and they always end up arguing. I mean, it was a heated debate every time. They would purposely bring up things just to, to stir things up. Him and his partner would would side against Mark, and they would try to, you know, get him back up in a corner. And he said, uh, just recently, my dad called me, and he started asking me questions about the Bible. And so he said, okay. He would give him his answer, and then the dad asked him another question. They talked about that, and he asked him another. And he said, wait, Dad, let me see. So you would, and, and your partner... You guys, you, you would gang up on me, and you would continue to, what, what's going on here, Dad? This is different. His dad says, well, I quit fighting, and I've given in to God, and I've become a believer. And you say, Gary, you know, I, I didn't give up. I kept praying. It seemed like an impossible situation. The lifestyle, I said, was totally against God totally against the Bible, and yeah, I kept praying for him, and, and God just kept pursuing him, and the impossible situation turned possible through the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the love of God, and rejoice with him, and Mark was just saying, I just wanted to tell you about that, I knew you'd you'd be excited about that, I said, I sure am, Mark, and now he's talking about the Bible, and it's just a wonderful thing, and his dad's has some serious sickness and probably won't be here in this life uh, too much longer. But rejoice in that. God is the God who can reach people where we don't think we, they can be reached. And that's a great testimony of Rahab the harlot. Okay, ladies. You like the good romance stories where the damsel is in distress and the white knight comes along and swoops her up and carries her to safety. Well, this is such a story. All right. So in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 22, after the walls of Jericho, we're going to jump ahead for the scripture. We'll come back to chapter 3 next week. It says here, but the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house, bring out from there the woman. Can you imagine this scene and all who belonged to her as you, as you swore to her. So the walls of Jericho had crumbled down. The, nation, the, the armies of Israel were coming across and to, to uh, take care of the enemy uh, there the, in Jericho and to, to inhabit the land. And, and so the, he gave the commission, you go into that harlot house and bring out her and her family. So the young men had been spies, went in. And brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and of iron. They put in the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab, the prostitute in her father's house and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Tradition, Jewish tradition, 
has that one of the two spies married Rahab. We don't know if this is true or not. But it makes for a great romance story, doesn't it? Honey, I was the one who rescued you. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure that card was played quite often. But God reached down and saved not only Rahab, but her whole family. Wonderful story. I think there are three lessons that we can learn from Rahab. I want to give you these three lessons. First of all, when we think about God, God saves regardless of the past. Not we glad of that? No matter what our past may whisper to us, no matter what our past holds in the stories and the history that it has. In fact, listen to this. Our past is the reason Jesus was born. He came to save sinners. I think of this. How did, har- how did the Rahab become a harlot? You know, most young girls dream about meeting and marrying a loving husband, raising children, have this family, living hap- happily ever after. We don't have the backstory. Perhaps Rahab came from a place of deep brokenness, of a childhood trauma. Maybe her past is one of pain or abuse that left her trapped by disrespect and shame. Perhaps you know somebody like that. A hardness that it makes them. Maybe this is the way Rahab was. Been rejected or abandoned and made a desperate choice to meet her growling stomach. Night after night, choice after desperate choice had become a life she never intended. I can imagine what would whisper to Rahab as she laid her head down at night and think about her life. Condemnation. Fear, guilt, worthlessness, many mistakes, too much regret, too late to change. The gospel is the good news. That's the good news such as a person as Rahab and such as you and I, we are sinners. Is that no choice we ever make, no scars ever inflicted, no drug taken or words flung or body misused can keep us from the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Our past is never good enough to earn God's salvation, nor shocking enough to keep us from it. Your past can keep you can't keep you from experiencing God loves as his salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ and not what we have done. So God saves us regardless of our past and God saves our past to bring great glory to himself. From a place of shame with people to fame with God. From being the gospel of the town to being a trophy of God's grace in his word. 
Maybe you can nod and say amen that God can save anyone at the past. But we can get stuck believing that God can use anyone with the past. With the, with the past or get stuck that he can save anyone but he can't use anybody with the past. But Rahab's a story that convinces otherwise that God can use with all our blemishes and all the scars in the history that we have whether good or bad or dark whatever it is that God works through people like Rahab whom we are inclined to reject, and God received her and, and remembers her by her faith and not by her profession. If we ever feel like a failure of what we've done or didn't do, think about Rahab, who rose above her situation through her trust in God. God is saying if he can save a prostitute, if he can use Paul, a murderer of Christians, if he can use Peter, who lied about himself and denied that he knew Jesus, if he can use King David, who committed adultery and had her, had her husband killed, God can not only save you, he, if you will believe, he will also use you. And only God can take what we have, even in the dark corners of our life, and if we give it to God, God uses that to bring glory to himself. Rahab was used by God. She saved herself as well as her family. Mother, she became a mother and had a son named Boaz who marries Ruth. Ruth in the Bible. Rahab, this harlot, becomes the great, great grandmother of the greatest king in Israel, King David. This is a woman of honor, according to Jewish tradition. And according to tradition, from her descendants came eight respected prophets, including the prophet Jeremiah. This harlot that everybody thought, ah, I can't save her. She's a castaway. God has used Rahab. He's still using Rahab even today because this story touches our life. And one of the greatest things about Rahab is that God put Rahab in the lineage of Jesus Christ in Matthew 1.5. Please do not give the enemy ground that Jesus has already taken. Jesus' own lineage shows how God powerfully uses us despite our past. Number three, God repurposes those with the past. He turns, turns that which seems bad into something good. He turns. When Scripture mentions Rahab, she almost always called Rahab the harlot, except in Matthew's genealogy. Matthew calls her Rahab the mother of Boaz. God repurposed Ahab from a fallen woman to a chosen woman. From a bad girl to a bride, from a sinner to a saint, from a mess to be blessed, from a prostitute to the lineage of the Messiah. And my friend, 
God will repurpose or reinvent you and me as well. We become a new person in Christ Jesus. He makes everything new. We praise God for that. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you. You are a merciful, merciful God. You're a gracious God. Your grace runs deeper than all our sins. Your love pursues us when we find ourselves at the the greatest distance from you. That you come to deliver us, to rescue us, to give us liberty and freedom from our past. You sent your precious son to come and save those who were lost. You seek those who recognize that they are sinners and all that will admit they have sinned. Your grace covers those who need forgiven. Those who cry out to be merciful, I am a sinner and your son chooses to pay the penalty for our sin so that we don't have to go to hell. Your love and forgiveness carries us to heaven if we will believe, if we will have faith and trust that you have provided the door that you are the way, that you are the truth, and that you are the life. Your Son will take us to the Father. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to sing this song, Open Our Eyes, Dear Lord. I spoke to you. We're going to have some people back there to pray if you like to pray. I'll be here at the front if you like to come front and pray with you. Hey, listen, if, if you don't know that God is your Lord, your Savior, and you like to, today's a great day to do that. Just open your heart, open your eyes as we sing.
some people back in the back of some prayer stations and if you'd like to pray with them they're going to make themselves available you come to me to my wife or anybody here on this stage they'd love to pray with you about jesus just pray if you got something that just a burden on your heart you know you've come with that burden let's let's take it to, to god let's take it to jesus today okay let's do that so we're going to sing one more song, but before we do this, I, I'm happy to announce that um, Fred and his talented family, Chris, Aaliyah, we won't make you come up here, we'll give you, but Chris, would you just raise your hand, no, this is Chris and Aaliyah, and Rory, they have, they have been praying about coming to be part of our family and church family, and they are doing it, and so that's this week, so... Make sure you get around and officially welcome them into our church family. And uh, I just want to say a blessing, a prayer uh, upon them at this time. Father, I am grateful for all that you have done in my life and in our church life. How, God, you brought gifted, talented people to us. They are a blessing. They truly add a lot to our church. And God, we want to in turn be a blessing to them. To encourage them, to exhort them, to lift them up in prayer and anything that they might need that we can help them. God, we're there for them as we are family. And may their daughters continue to be on that path of that straight and narrow, that blessed path, the path that's good and wonderful. Psalms 1 talks about that. Help them whenever they get to that age, then if God so sees fit to bring a godly man in their life, God, your blessings upon them. Just give uh, Fred and Chris the wisdom to lead their family and teach their daughters uh, the great truths from God's Word. And help us as a church family also be that family for them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we want to sing one more praise song, and then we'll dismiss you. God bless you. Mm.
not to have words and just sing from our hearts. Go with God. Have a blessed week. We love you guys.